0: Welcome to the HDFS Careers Podcast, the podcast featuring informal conversations with family science majors about their professional journeys. My name is Erica Jordan. I am super excited to be returning after a long hiatus due to several unexpected personal events and professional responsibilities. Please be aware that this episode was recorded during 2021, so some references to current events or the professional's life might be dated. Regardless, I'm sharing the interview with you because it still contains a wealth of insight and inspiration. I hope you enjoy it. Today, I will be sharing my interview with Heather cruz Holly. Heather earned a bachelor's degree in human development and family studies with a concentration in child and youth development from Kent State University. During this interview, she discusses her experience working as a case manager for a family care nonprofit organization and her professional experiences that led her to that position. As is true for all interviewees on this podcast, Heather's views are her own as a private citizen and do not reflect the views of her current, former, or future employers. Without further ado, here is her interview. Well, welcome to the podcast, Heather.
1: Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm super, super excited to be here.
0: And I'm super, super excited to have you here. Thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedule and sh- taking the time to share with students across the country. I can't wait to, to hear all about your story. So, can you first tell me how you found the field of HDFS? I know that you were an HDFS major at Kent State mm-hmm. University. So, how did you find your way into that field? Well, my way into HDFS was a bit of a windy
1: road. <laughs> um, I actually started my college experience as an early education major. I wanted to be a kindergarten teacher for as long as I can remember. I loved kids, and I thought, you know, if you love kids, that's what you do. You become a teacher, Um, so I did that up until the midway of my sophomore year, and I don't know if you know, but the early education um, major at Kent State, because it is so amazing and so great, is very competitive, Mm -hmm. and I just wasn't getting the success that i needed to be successful in that major so i knew that i wanted to pursue something else but i wasn't sure what i was really overwhelmed um because i thought you know i was going to be a teacher that was what i was going to do and to find out that hey maybe that's not the right career path for you is very nerve-wracking
0: yeah
1: So I was lucky enough that, you know, in my time at school, I was in a sorority, I was a Tri Sigma at Kent State, and I was surrounded by a lot of women in a lot of different majors. And I was able to, through them, explore so many different avenues. And I had a coffee date with a girl who was an HDFS major, and she told me about some of the classes she was taking, what she wanted to do. And I thought that maybe that would be the right way to go, just so I kind of had a pathway to kind of walk through the rest of the year with, and then I would kind of figure out the logistics of things later. Yeah. Um, so I kind of found HDFS through through some of my friends.
0: That's great. And that's great that you even, I mean, that's something that we tell um, students now um, both undergraduate and undergraduate students, but then even it's advice that we give to professionals is to reach out to people like, yes, mm-hmm. ask somebody to coffee. It <laughs> um, yeah. actually was sort of the inspiration for this podcast, that sort of idea. And so that's really neat that you reached out to your network, your sorority, mm-hmm. and you were able to link up with people who could give you other perspectives on you know, different directions to take. Um, so that's great. So tell me a little bit about your experience with the classes um, and then just in general, what your college experience was like. You already mentioned that you were in a sorority. So what else were you doing Mm -hmm. in the classroom and outside of the classroom? Were you working? Were you involved in work in other clubs or organizations? Just anything you want to share about your college experience in inside and outside of the classroom?
1: Yeah. So the HDFS courses that I took at Kent State were so amazing. I think the thing that sticks out to me the most about those classes were the professors and the environment that they cultivated for the students. It was always such a welcoming place where we all were just there and hanging out and learning together. It wasn't super structured. There wasn't, you know, an intimidating person standing at the front of the room just going through a PowerPoint. It was all hands-on learning activities and lots of really great conversations with a lot of people from a lot of different backgrounds and how they view families and how they grew up and how their culture is affected, how they were raised versus someone else of a different culture. Um, it was a really great environment to be studying in and to learn from other people. So in that regard, I think my classes were really amazing and, and really special. And I loved every single one. And I feel like I use things that I've learned there all the time in my day-to-day life, so I can't say enough great things about that HDFS program. Um, As far as outside of the classroom, I did work a little bit. I was um, a seasonal employee at Bath and Body Works. That was a time. (laughs) <laughs> um, <laughs> seasonal so I guess that meant like during the holiday rush oh, and the- <laughs> oh yeah I was like you know what I want to work over the holidays and get people some really great Christmas presents and I soon realized that that was a mistake no hate to Bath and Body Works love their candles soaps everything's great it was just I was just not made for retail we'll put it that way <laughs> So I d- I did that for a little bit, and then I really tried to be involved in my sorority as much as I could because I felt that that was an opportunity that not a lot of people were able to have. Um, so I wanted to take every advantage I could while being in that organization. Um, I held an officer position. I planned our bid day, which is our big party at the end of recruitment. I went to a lot of networking events. Um, I really just tried to experienced the professional side of the sorority as much as, you know, I met some amazing people and met really great friends and had a lot of fun there. Um, I really tried to take advantage of the professional aspects because I felt um, that was kind of an untapped thing that I could tap into and really use that to grow. So I really spent a lot of time just working and networking with our advisors and, and things like that. And I really think that that was super, super beneficial for me. And I definitely learned a lot of professional um, things from that which I think would surprise a lot of people um, the things that you can really get out of that but I think as far as value goes that's been the most valuable thing that I got from that experience.
0: No it sounds like it I mean first of all those are huge events that you're planning and you're having oh, like, it, yeah. you have to deal with the logistics of campus and like uh, policies like being a student organization or like a Greek organization mm-hmm. and then you know, you're also having to kind of please a lot of stakeholders in that role as well, you know, mm-hmm. from the advisors to um, the people you're recruiting to you're trying to make a good impression to, you know, oh, yeah. already in the organization. So um, mm-hmm. no, that's a huge role.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it, was, it was very tough, but I'm, I'm very glad that I did
0: it. Yeah, yeah. And you do learn a lot of skills um, that are very transferable easily to the workforce. Yes, mm-hmm. Um, okay, so tell me about the toward the end of your program. You're winding down as an HGFS major. You ended up doing a a concentration in child and youth development. Mm -hmm. Anyway, your time is winding down. Um do you have to do do you end up doing an internship? If so, what is that like? And then, you know, what are your plans for after graduation? And then what do you actually end up doing after graduation?
1: (laughs) So I actually The end of my college career was when campuses shut down for COVID. Oh, wow. Um, I was in um, Kathleen Walker's class, my professor. I was in her professional development class when we all got an email saying that classes were um, going to be online. And I remember so clearly, I showed her my phone and I was like, do you know about this? And she was like, we haven't heard anything. (gasps) So I ended up telling my professor that classes were going online before she, the school told her. So that really put a damper on, a damper on that class. So um, all my classes were moved to online and right when I was getting ready to look for internships, that had all happened. So I was like, Oh my goodness, like, am I going to be able to graduate? What is going on? No one had, no one had any answers to all of these questions because who in their life has ever had to deal with, The craziness that was Corona. So everyone was, you know, my head was going in a million different places. And I was like, oh my gosh, what did I just spend the last four years doing? What is about to happen to me in these next couple of months? So they decided that we were going to try and still do internships um, the best we could. If it was remote, that was fine, as long as you could still do it. So I ended up finding my internship crazy enough through um, my dentist office, just a random lady at the dentist office. This is a true story. Um, everyone, so I went to my dentist appointment and I, the lady was asking me, you know, I was graduating soon, what I wanted to do. And, and through my time in the HDFS program and through research and different things, I had kind of figured out that I knew I wanted to work with families, specifically foster families. I think that that's a really amazing population of people. And I wanted to advocate for them and bring light to them and allow those kids to grow up in strong, healthy families. And so I kind of knew that that was what I wanted to do. I didn't know how I was going to do it or where I was going to do it at, but I knew that that was what I wanted. So I was telling the lady who was cleaning my teeth and, um, the receptionist at the dentist office walks in and she's like, I overheard your conversation. You have to, you know, talk, you have to go look up Cleveland angels. They're a really great nonprofit. I volunteer with them. They do exactly what you're saying you want to do. Like you should look them up. And I was like, okay, <laughs> like, you know, what have I got to lose? I'm kind of just floating in the wind here. So I, as soon as I got home, I went on their website and I called um, Gretchen Dupes who is now my boss And I was like, hi, I need an internship in the middle of Corona, please help me. And she, she worked with me and I was able to do a really amazing case management internship with them. Um, It was so great. And it opened up my eyes to the world of nonprofit. I had never experienced working at a nonprofit before and the ins and outs of how that goes. And. i was able to meet a lot of really amazing families and children through that process and then when my internship was up and i had graduated i was like you know what i'm not ready to leave this i believe so strongly in the mission that they do and the people that they serve and the people that i work with i was like is there any way that i can just stay here and so um we couldn't do full-time so while i was doing that i worked part-time here and I worked part-time at a daycare center. Okay. So I would go to the daycare in the mornings until about one o'clock, and then I would come here and work until five-ish. Um, and then finally, in November, I was able to come on full-time, and I have been here ever since.
0: Wow, that is amazing. Like that goes to it's- show you how important it is to talk to people.
1: I know it's a time and place gift from God it's it's so many really crazy things like who would have thought my winding ever road would lead me you know to the best job I could have ever asked for
0: absolutely but then one of the things one of the things in my career class that I teach with my students I mean I force them to well I pressure them it's a requirement that they have <laughs> to interview somebody who they don't already know
1: and yeah. Mm-hmm. so I've had
0: students who've like found a person like riding the Metro, you know, and they just strike up a random conversation with this person Turns turns out they're like, you know, working in the field that they're interested in, mm-hmm. in your case, you know, you're talking to your dental hygienist and you know, who would know that the receptionist oh, yeah. over here, it just pays to talk to people. They I've had guests come on the show and they, they say, you know, if you're looking for an opportunity, tell everyone, you know, I mean, because yeah. you never know and that you're a perfect illustration of that.
1: Yeah, that's so true. And I know like in college when we had to interview people or we had to do like a mock case management meeting or whatever it was, I was nervous. And I was like, I don't know. But, you know, it's it's better to have a conversation with someone and it's just a pleasant, you know, hi, hello, how are you? That could lead to something really amazing and really life changing rather than just sitting and not trying and wondering what you can do. You kind of just have to, especially now, like you kind of just have to throw yourself against something and see what sticks.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. You had to put yourself out there. And I also love that, you know, you clearly made a positive impression during your internship. And so you were able to then stay on part-time and I've heard of, of um, graduates doing this before. They'll stay on part-time, you know, mm-hmm. and then and they will then work another part-time job. And I mean, sometimes you do have to just be very creative with your, um, you know, when you're beginning to gain experience,
1: yeah. um, you're mm-hmm.
0: still working in the field and you're okay. So tell me, um, I got a little bit just lost and enamored with how you found this opportunity. So, <laughs> um, so how long have you been working as uh, part-time with the Cleveland angels and then part-time you said at the childcare center? So I had actually started at the child care center
1: the summer before I left for college. Okay. So I was working there summers, breaks, whenever I could really mm-hmm. um just for like extra money them, whatever it was. And then I started my internship, I believe, in June of 2020. And then I um graduated in late July or August, sorry. And then I
0: started full time in November. Okay. I'm going to ask you more about your day-to-day life, um, what your day-to-day life was like as an intern and then how that changed maybe as you went from part-time to full-time. First, really quickly with the child care center, what ages were you working with there and what type of work were you doing there? So I was with the school age children. Um, they did like a summer camp with the
1: older kids. So we would go on field trips with them. We would go to, they, there was a pool right around the corner. So we would go to the pool. Um, it was really just like a really fun summer camp. We did different science experiments and crafts and just
0: gave, tried to give kids a really fun summer. That's awesome. Okay. So you're able to keep that experience going. So mm-hmm. tell me about what was your internship like? Um, what was that just experience? I clearly left a positive overall experience for oh, yeah. you because you wanted to stay, you did not want to leave. I mm-hmm. mean, um, I think it's great that you you know put yourself out there and asked for, for an opportunity after the internship was up. But tell me what the day-to-day internship was like for you.
1: The internship was, was really awesome. And I feel like I learned so much. So I was a case management intern And I worked under a case manager that they had on staff who was amazing. And so I did a lot of data tracking. That's really important, especially in a nonprofit, to prove your legitimacy and prove that what you're doing is making an impact on the people that you're serving. So I had a lot of hands in that. I was able to sit on um, different meetings with case managers and foster families. I got to go to their homes and meet the kids and, and meet these families that were helping, which was the most impactful thing. I think that was when I realized that I didn't want to go anywhere. I was just seeing the look on these foster families faces when they see that we're here to help them, uh-huh. not not judge them, not criticize them, just simply just walk alongside them while they're fostering um, and giving a stable home for these kids. Um, it. W- I remember walking out of their house and being like, yep, like this is it. Like this is golden. Like I will be fine if I never do anything else. Um, So getting to that was really, really great. And I got to meet a lot of really amazing people from different schools. There were two other interns that were with me. Um, So we got to do that together, which was really great. And also, you know, with a nonprofit, you kind of have to have your hands in a lot of different buckets. Mm-hmm. and so while we were being while I was interning we were moving office spaces so I got to help paint the place and lay down carpet and kind of it, it sounds funny but like I got to help build the place from the ground up in a sense and and help it grow which I think meant so much that I left some kind of lasting imprint on the place whether I stayed there or not getting to help with that they didn't make me also by the way I volunteered that no. wasn't part of the, that wasn't part of the
0: program they didn't require me to do manual labor just wanted to throw that out there oh it actually doesn't sound funny to me it sounds like a lot of fun it sounds really it, it's always really exciting when you get to be at the beginning of something and so like yeah big, exactly being at the beginning of a new space you know it,
1: exactly it was it was a really fun I had never painted or really laid carpet before. So getting to do that with really cool people who made it so fun was was great. It was just another day, you know?
0: Yeah. And that's so true. Um, what you said when I was laughing at the fact that when you're a nonprofit, you do have your hands in sort of everything, not just you nonprofits. Do. You actually see that in a lot of a lot of fields, but I think especially nonprofit. I have a friend who is the director for a nonprofit in Alabama, and they recently moved spaces. And I mean, everything from, you know, like the art on the wall to the carpet oh, to yeah. the paint to everything. <laughs> you know, you just oh, so you, you, so so you know. In. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of it, fun. It is, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now tell me about when you transition from that intern to that part-time role and maybe how your responsibilities change. Oh
1: yeah. So I, when I was an intern, I worked really hard because I knew first that being able to do an internship is a luxury. It's not something that everyone can do working that long and not getting paid. Not everyone is able to do that. So I knew that I didn't want to do it halfway. I wanted to do the best I could and so when I got part time, it was awesome because um, I kind of already knew the job because I was working under a case manager for the past couple of months. So I knew you know, the day-to-days what I was going to do but I think I struggled in feeling like a professional in like mentally making that transition within myself. Mm-hmm. Cause I still felt like an intern who is going to school online during a global pandemic and didn't know what she was doing. Um, so I think that was the hardest part of that transition was really seeing myself as a college educated, you know, professional in a sense. Um, Because for me, nothing had changed, you know, I was doing an internship, and you know, the people had changed, everything had changed, Um, everything was the same, but my title was different. And I think that was, that was hard for me to kind of wrap my head around. It still kind of is to like have a business cards and be a professional you know it's it's hard for me to wrap my head around because I still very much feel like a college you know student sometimes but the transition with the help of my team was very seamless and it was a really great feeling to have my own caseload and my own families to serve and to help and my own kids to advocate for it was a really kind of empowering feeling as well and also like kind of scary you know like It's your first big, big girl job, even if it is part time, you know, it's, it's what you spent the last four years of your life working to have. So I just kind of felt all of the things that first day walking in as a case manager.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it is a scary transition. I mean, you kind of feel like, uh, you know, that's that related to that imposter syndrome, which by yeah, way,
1: yeah. ever mm-hmm. seems
0: to fully go away. <laughs> oh, great. Like. Awesome. I'm like, oh, they gave me a
1: business card. Oh, look. <laughs> awesome. Great. Nice to know that that takes a while
0: to go away. Yeah, you just kinda, you just continually push it down when it bubbles up. <laughs> um, So now, tell me, now that you're full-time, uh, tell me about what, your day to day is like? Like, what's a, a typical or an average day like for you on the job?
1: Yeah. So, um, I typically, we have a really amazing office in Brooklyn. So, I will typically come in around nine in the morning. I'll answer any emails. Typically, throughout the week, I'll have trainings with new volunteers where I train them about what it means to be a volunteer with Cleveland Angels. We talk a lot about, um, TBRI or trust-based relational intervention, which is this really great uh, method of healing traumas uh, that our kids might have experienced in previous homes or in their lives and so we talk about that um, and just spreading awareness and, and empowering these people to go out into our communities and care for our foster families and um, I will call families that refer themselves to our programs. We get referrals to our programs through self-referrals or different counties, different agencies. So I'll just talk to them and let them know, you know, the kind of support that we can provide to them. And those are some of my favorite parts, getting to hear all of their stories and all of the reasons why they decided to foster um, they are they turn into very beautiful conversations and oftentimes i hang up the phone and i'm like crying because it's it's so beautiful what these people are doing and so i'll do that um again there's also i still do a lot of data tracking um just tracking how many kids we're serving where those kids are living you know and then constantly researching um different resources to give to our families who need them and um, I just, I work every day trying to serve these families to the best of my ability and give them the best chance to be a strong, successful foster family.
0: That sounds amazing. Yeah. Just to be there as that supportive angel. <laughs> our yeah. angel. Yes. Yes. Um, it's a great name. Yes, it is. So roughly how many families do you have in your caseload uh, at once? I'm sure it changes
1: mm-hmm right now, I am creeping on I believe thirty
0: okay, and so you're working <clears throat> with them and I guess um does how often how often do you interact with the families, and I guess that might depend on the family's need, but um yeah
1: i do we do our best to contact our families as often as we can. We try monthly. Um, to at least make some point of contact with them, to let them know that, you know, we're here, we're thinking of them, we're here to support them, to just, you know, um, foster that relationship and keep it healthy and keep it strong. Um, We definitely try to make sure that, you know, they know that we're in their corner.
0: Gotcha. And some families, are you working with them kind of for short term? And then others, are you, you know, are you interacting with them for a long period of time, like over months? Yeah.
1: So um, the families that sign up for our program are there for a year. Okay. So I, at minimum. So some people, once they hit that year mark, they can go on and do another year. Um, it just depends on the group and the family. Um, so I'll have these on my caseload for a year. And then if they want to go on another year, really, as long as they are wanting to still be involved in our program, I will be a part of their life. That
0: sounds amazing. Um, Okay. And so tell me what's, I guess, what are some of the best parts of your current role? And then maybe what are some of the challenges?
1: Ooh, I think the best part of this role is the intimacy of it. And um, a lot of times with foster families, you know, they have their social workers and they have different people that are kind of monitoring, monitoring what they're doing and making sure that, you know, they're taking their classes and they're you know doing what they're supposed to be doing, which is great, but that also fosters a lot of stress in them. Mm-hmm. And I think for me to just be able to just call them and say, how are you doing? How are you? What can I do to help you is such a rewarding feeling that I can use what I learned at school and what I learned here at Cleveland Angels to help other people I think is is so rewarding and totally the greatest thing ever. Um, to just be able to be there for people and be a constant support system for them is such a gift. And I'm so grateful that I get to do it. The, yeah. Thank you. Um, The hardest part I would say is, you know, having tough conversations with families and um, hearing them like crying on the other end of the phone because they're just so stressed and And that, that's hard to kind of harbor all those emotions, but it just makes you resilient and makes you think, okay, like, what can I do? And as we're not involved in like the courts or anything, so there's only so much that we can do. So when a family has a need that is outside of what we are able to provide, that is always really hard. That conversation is never an easy one to have with the family. Mm -hmm. So I would say that that is probably the hardest part.
0: When you encounter a, a a problem you can't really solve on your end or a need that you mm-hmm. can't meet on your end, yeah, 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 that's always super tricky that's always difficult, yeah mm-hmm. well, um, this is so interesting the uh I mean, I feel like you've done a great job answering the questions, those are all the questions <gasps> Thank that I you have. <laughs>
1: Um, I could, I could talk about it forever. I do to most of my friends and they're probably so annoyed with me. They're like, Heather, okay, we get it. You love your
0: job. I doubt it. I I doubt (laughs) that they're annoyed. I mean, that's really exciting that you were able to, you know, find honestly, yeah, the first job out of, out of school as a COVID grad. I mean, yeah, (laughs) that's, that's, that's amazing. Um, and that's, I
1: know sometimes I just sit and I'm like, how did I get here? Like, how did this happen?
0: And it just worked out. It was just, I mean, <laughs> it was just the perfect yeah. job just meant for you. Um, yeah. So is there anything that I didn't ask you that you think would also be helpful to know about your field or anything else that you just want to share? And then also, do you have any advice for students or new professionals?
1: Hmm. For new professionals, I would say that my boss told me when I was interning and I it told her that I was always afraid to speak up in meetings and, and share my ideas and she was like Heather like your voice matters like when we graduate like our voices matter we just spent the last four years studying the same thing over and over again like as much as it that imposter syndrome like we were talking about as much as that is in our heads like we know what we're talking about. You know, we did the work and it's time to just own it, you know? And I think I had a really hard time with that. Um, But I would say for other people to just know your worth and and give yourself the credit for what you've done and then take that and do more with it, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah, don't be afraid to like put it into, put what you know into action and to speak up and your voice heard.
1: Yeah, and I think, inspiration and you know you never know when something is going to pop up that completely totally changes your life like even in the silliest of things like the whole reason I knew I wanted to go into foster care and work with those kids is because I had to write a paper on issues in my major in college writing too that was how I and who would have thought that doing homework would lead me down a career path the the simplest of things in life can become the greatest if you look hard enough and you dig into it enough and I think that that's something really special to to know when you're doing your stupid English papers or whatever it is <laughs> that it, it can become something really great if if you look hard enough
0: yeah yeah there's always something new to learn if you like engage yeah yeah, and never, and never stop learning, too. I think that's another really good one. Yeah. Um, I'm lucky
1: that my job provides me with a lot of outside continuing education opportunities. And I'm still learning, I'm still doing trainings, I'm still taking classes, because there's so much still out there to learn. And I think if you stop looking for that knowledge, then you stop growing in a sense. And I think, you know, especially now, there's so much to learn so many people to learn from. And um, I think that that's also another really great opportunity for people
0: to yeah, take advantage of. That's great advice. Um, thank you so much. And man, oh, thank you. That dental hygienist and the, that receptionist. <laughs>
1: I they, know I should I should have got her like a fruit basket or something.
0: <laughs> but is there, I bet you they'd be so thrilled to know that they had a part in um, you know, you find in their a career that you find so much fulfillment in. And it just really comes through when you talk about it. I'm sure oh, that um it's you. gonna be very inspirational to those who are looking for their perfect fit.
1: Um, oh, I hope so because you know, I I never thought that I'd find a job like this. I thought I was gonna be working at Walmart for the rest of my life and no shade to Walmart I just I didn't think that I that I would be a professional in this setting and and I didn't know what I was doing in college I was like I can't even figure out what kind of cereal I'm gonna eat how am I supposed to figure out what I'm gonna do for the rest of my life and you know what you you will figure it out
0: you will figure it out that right there, that reassurance, you know, just keep going, like, keep moving, um, even if you feel lost right now. Yes. Like, yeah, it'll mm-hmm. work out.
1: A hundred percent.
0: Well, thank you so much for those wise words.
1: <laughs> I try.
0: Yeah, seriously, I mean, no, I think just hearing people, like, people who've been there say, hey, it's okay, like, it's yeah. gonna work out, like, you just gotta keep putting one foot in front of the other, keep your eyes open, and yes. do what you can. It's
1: okay if it's okay if you graduate late. It's okay if you fail that test. It's okay.
0: It's okay. It'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's great words of inspiration from a COVID grad.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> we can, so, do it, can do it, COVID grads. We can do it. You
0: do it. I'm serious. You all are some of the strongest. I I'm really excited actually to see what your cohort as, as a whole is going to do, you know, nationally just because you've been through so much. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. This has been such a delight um, talking to you. you. And um, I appreciate you sharing your story with students across the country.
1: Oh, it was such an an honor. And I'm so thankful for the opportunity.
0: I hope you enjoyed this episode of the HDFS Careers Podcast. If you have recommendations for HDFS or other family science alumni to interview, please reach out to me at HDFSCareers.com. Don't worry if they are not working in a job that would normally be considered in the field. I'm interested in hearing a variety of stories, especially if they are working outside of academia. If you like this podcast and want other people to be able to find it, please rate it and review it in iTunes or share it on social media. Until next time, keep exploring your future possibilities.